Welcome to the AMM Dividend Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Bush, and I'm the lead portfolio manager for the AMM Dividend Growth Strategy. Our full disclosure is at the end of this episode, but briefly, these are just my opinions. It's for educational purposes only, and this is not a recommendation to buy or sell securities. The Stadium Indicator. Whenever a company inks a stadium naming rights deal, that's it. The company has peaked, and its stock is on the road to ruin. Now, some of you might be too young to remember these names, which, man, I'm getting old, but Adelphia, they got the naming rights for the new Titan Stadium, and then bankruptcy. And it's gone. WorldCom, they won the naming rights for the MCI Center where the Washington Capitals play. Then bankruptcy. And it's gone. I'm sure this name rings a bell, no matter how old you are, and that's Enron. They signed the naming rights deal for the new Houston Astros ballpark, Enron Field. Bankruptcy. And it's gone. Intuit is one of our largest holdings, and it just announced a large naming rights deal for the LA Clippers' new arena, the Intuit Dome. So based on the stadium indicator, we need to sell into it. Uh, I mean, even if it doesn't go bankrupt, it just means that stock is going to suffer, and so we should just get out of the way. Well, the first thing is, this is a simple heuristic, a rule of thumb that we would use to make a complex decision. And if you've listened to some of our previous episodes, then you know that this type of decision-making, the rule of thumb decision-making, can get us into a bunch of trouble. This rule of thumb is driven by the availability bias which is a quick decision-making process that is heavily influenced by what we can easily recall. The more recent the event, and the more visceral an event or idea, the more likely we're able to recall it. This is why I led with Adelphia, WorldCom, and Enron. These bankruptcies are fairly recent, and these bankruptcies hurt a lot of people, especially Enron, so they're quite visceral. But let's take a step back and take a look deeper into the connection between these bankruptcies and stadium naming rights. Stadium naming rights have been around for a while, but they were pretty rare. They started to really take off in the mid to late 1990s. And guess what else started to take off in the late 90s? Yeah, it was the tech uh, and media bubble. So it's easy to remember Adelphia, Enron, MCI, and their stocks doing really well during that bubble period. I mean, Enron really took off as the tech bubble was collapsing, but still close enough. But then all of them, their stocks collapsed and they went bankrupt in the first few years of the 2000s. It was right after they did these stadium deals. Now, when we slow down our thinking, it's obvious that their bankruptcies were not caused by the stadium deals. They went bankrupt because of their own financial chicanery. And the stadium deal was just another sign of their profligate ways. Stadium naming right deals are not an impending sign of bankruptcy. It's just a coincident indicator if the company is already a big fan of financial shenanigans. So if we exclude these names... How have other publicly traded companies done after they announced stadium naming rights deals? Well, luckily for us, Cosinus Financial did the digging, and I'll link to their blog post in the description. They found 87 public companies that did naming right deals that they could compare against an index. The average total return was 150%, and the total return outperformance against their index was 71%. Now, the caveat here is this is heavily tilted towards the positive because of Qualcomm, Target, and Molson Coors. All three had 1,000 plus percent total returns since doing their stadium naming rights deal. And Qualcomm inked theirs in 1997 and had a 3,100% total return as of November 2020 when the post was updated. When Cosinus takes these three guys out, the total return drops to 74%, and now the average underperforms its index by 8%. 
This also doesn't include the tech bubble bankruptcies because they went bankrupt so soon after doing their naming right deals. Some of the other things that they found was that the longer a naming rights deal was, the better it was for the company. Companies that did naming right deals for 10 plus years performed much better and rarely underperformed their stock index. Now again, this is not because of the naming right deal. It doesn't increase the value of the company. It's more likely that a high quality, highly profitable company is more likely to hold on to their naming rights deal. Short-term naming right deals corresponded with underperformance. This category included those companies that went bankrupt shortly after doing their deals. And short-term deals tended to involve companies in sectors that were in a bubble like the TMT companies of the late 1990s. So for our position in Intuit, it's probably a good sign that their naming right deal is for 23 years. But now we have to wonder, is Intuit in a bubble sector? Now, Intuit is a tech company, and in part it's a SaaS company. And you could argue right now that tech companies in general, and the SaaS sector specifically, are expensive. I don't know if you could say it's a bubble. Sure, some are probably priced like a bubble stock, but my own personal opinion, I don't see a mania around the entire sector. And it's not like Intuit is a new company with more hope in its stock price than reality. Intuit is highly profitable, has high margins, it leads its category, and it generates high returns on equity and invested capital. Another finding is that companies that operate in the banking, energy, and the B2B technology space or enterprise-focused technology were more likely to underperform, and it's where the large majority of the bankruptcies came from. Companies operating in consumer discretionary like retail and food and beverage and consumer-slanted technology tended to outperform their index. This is a wash for Intuit. QuickBooks is a B2B technology, and TurboTax is a consumer technology. So stock prices aside... The bigger question is, do naming right deals add any value to the company? Is it a good use of cash flow and capital to do these deals? Now, the sales and marketing department will say yes, because it will position the brand at the top end of its category and allow the company to market to a bunch of different customer segments at once. But the truth is, valuing the naming rights deal to the company based on returns back to the company is really hard to do and almost non-existent. In a 2007 paper for the Journal of Sports Economics, again, I'll put a link in the description, it measured the impact on business value from these naming right deals. And it looked at the short-term effects and the long-term effects. And this is what they found. Quote, We find little evidence that the purchase of naming rights had a statistically significant impact on the value of companies that bought them. Even less evidence that the impact was positive, and no evidence at all that there was a permanent positive impact. Unquote. Yeah, how do you attribute specific revenue cash flow to a stadium deal? And how does a naming right deal really build your brand better than targeted marketing activities to your core customer group? You know, could the cash that you use for the naming right deal generate a better return elsewhere? I'm not happy with the Intuit Dome deal. I don't think stadium naming rights align with my interests or our clients' interests as shareholders. If anything, it's a sign that maybe the company is becoming too loose in its spending. And this stadium deal also comes on the heels of its $12 billion purchase of MailChimp, an $8 billion purchase of Credit Karma, and the launch of Intuit's small business venture tech fund. Now, I think MailChimp, Credit Karma, and the venture fund are all good moves, but this is just a lot of spending in a short amount of time. You know, what will management announce next? But given management's track record so far, I think we can give them the benefit of the doubt on the acquisitions in the venture fund. But the stadium deal still just baffles me. I, how does it directly help and grow their main business lines? This doesn't mean I would sell into it based on the stadium deal. 
That is a heuristic-driven decision that usually ends up us making the wrong decision. Intuit is not going bankrupt anytime soon. It's not in a bubble. TurboTax is an important consumer software, and QuickBooks Online is an important software for small businesses. And QuickBooks Online will be a big driver of growth and future profitability for Intuit. The stadium deal causes us to raise an eyebrow, but I don't see it as a major long-term concern. A buyer's sell decision for Intuit needs to be based on the underlying business, its trends, and if the market is currently over or underpricing these expectations. A few months back, we updated our fair value estimate to $420 per share, and then of course, Intuit stock just blew right past that estimate. We're gonna to have to update it again here, especially after the MailChimp deal announcement, but Intuit right now is trading at a slight premium to our current estimate of fair value, but not at a price so high that we would sell our position. No, it's not at a price that we think would create a negative return when assumptions meet reality. And if you have a company that gets into a stadium naming rights deal, don't make that quick decision based on the stadium indicator. Remember, it's just a quick, short, heuristic-driven decision that leads to big errors. You need to understand what is really driving the business. Now, if you want to learn more about the AMM dividend growth strategy and AMM in general, my contact info is in the show description. So thank you for listening. And now our full disclosure. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Glenn Bush and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of American Money Management LLC, an SCC registered investment advisor who serves as a portfolio manager to private accounts. Clients of AMM, Mr. Bush, employees of AMM may buy or sell securities mentioned without prior notice. The opinions expressed do not constitute a recommendation to buy or sell securities. This podcast should not be considered investment advice and is for educational purposes only. Do I really have to do this, Dad? Stan, now more than ever, you need to understand the importance of saving money. But Grandma said I could use this money to buy whatever I want. Okay, next please. Go on, Stanley. I got a $100 check from my grandma, and my dad said I need to put it in the bank so it can grow over the years. Well, that's fantastic. A really smart decision, young man. We can put that check in a money market mutual fund. Then we'll reinvest the earnings into foreign currency accounts with compounding interest, and it's gone. Uh, what? It's gone. It's all gone. What's all gone? The money in your account. It didn't do too well. It's gone. What do you mean? I, I have $100. Not anymore, you don't. Poof. Well... Well, what can I do to get back I'm my- I'm sorry, sir, but this line is for bank members only. I just opened an account. Do you have any money invested with this bank? No, you just lost it all. Then please stand aside for people who actually have money with us. Next, please. Hey! Hello, Mrs. Farnickel. How are you today? Making a deposit, are we? Great. We can just put that into your retirement account and make it go to work for you, and it's gone. What? Sorry, yeah, that's gone. Please step aside for people who actually have money with the bank. Next, please. Dad! Hey, I'm trying to teach my son the importance of savings. You already lost his money? Oh, Mr. Marsh, d don't worry. We can just transfer money from your account into a portfolio with your son, and it's gone! This line is for people who have money with the bank only. Please step aside.